I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What do I usually say? Hello. <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. It's going to be the front two today, Loz. Over my dead body. Dead, 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 Hello, welcome to the front three. Adam Boltwood here as always, joined by the one and only Dave O'Brien. Hello, hello, hello. And good evening, good morning and good night. The man, the myth, the legend, Lawrence McKenna is here as well. I've just finished editing our new website, thefront3.com. Wow. Ooh. It's almost yeah. like you're plugging it. Yeah, in a way. Why don't you go there and test it for us? Front3.com, <laughs> the front free. With a three, like a numeral three. Three. How many yes. websites do you know that have got a number in their uh, oh, URL? Not many. Welcome to this week's pod. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you want to tweet us your questions, your suggestions, your thoughts, on Twitter at the front three with the number three, not the word. Comment of the week this week. I've got two um, potential comments of the week. The first one comes from. There's Guna... a good history of comments, aren't there? Well, about perception. Guna Language uh, tweeted in saying, "Challenge for Lawrence when you oh. record the next front three. Complete the pod without saying perception, history, and reductionist." Um, and then a user called Internet Polls also said, "Can you add narrative to that list?" Did someone else chime in on that? And also, <laughs> yes, and then Guna Language chimed in again and said, and institution. Uh-oh. So for this podcast, you're not allowed to say perception, history, reductionist, narrative, yeah. or institution. Dave, me and you, we've got to keep our ears open. I will Listen out for those words, because they I'll are... I'll get a little tally chart going. If they I do are... say it, I'll send whoever, whichever listener <laughs> notices it first, a box of Ferrero Rocher. Oh, I mean, oh. I mean, people love Ferrero Rocher. We've learned that this week. Seeing as everyone else is so pleased with themselves for sending out a box <laughs> of chocolates to someone. <laughs> he deserved them. Osbert Moore, you deserved them. What a legend. Um, there's another Osbert. comment uh, I got from a guy called Mike Smalling saying, mm. um, he said, can you please teach Dave how to say Sado Mane correctly on the next podcast? <laughs> Do you see this, Dave? You how, do say it wrong. how do you say Uh-oh. it? How do you say it? Sado Mene. It's Mane. It's he no. he said it's not many, it's Mane. It's Mane. Okay, yeah. right. I'll practice. I'll practice for the next week and hopefully I won't do it this time, but next time I'll nail it. There you right. go. Mane down on the wall. There you go. Right. Um, go right, let's get on with it then. Before we get into this week's podcast, then let's talk a little bit about the guys uh, who've been giving us some lovely iTunes reviews. Mm. Um We've got Osbert Moore, Mr. Ferrero Rocher himself. Uh, said once some he started his review by saying, once some Ferrero Rocher from these boys one time, five out of five would listen again. That's a very nice comment. Thank you, Osbert. We also had 
uh, I am Eldris, saying love these guys on YouTube, best f- football videos on there. Their work is replicated on the podcast, and I can't go without them. So thanks for that. Oh, wow. And Football Fantastique, uh, Tartan Jeff, I should say, said a cracking podcast, and sometimes it's even funny. So that's sometimes. Nice. Wanna, that if lunch. you want to leave us yeah, a nice really. review, go on iTunes, make sure you subscribe, of course, but leave us a little rating, uh, and a little review. Uh, every little helps. Um, five star, preferably. Thank you. Preferably five star. <laughs> Dave, get pressing on the humour. Be funnier, Dave. Sorry, guys. I'm too. I'm too. Funny. Too many stats. Yeah. Too many stats. Uh, too many long words. Let's kick Sorry. things off then by talking about Liverpool. One one nil against Stoke last night in the Capital One Cup first leg. Lawrence, what did you make of the uh, the performance? Uh, one of the better Jurgen Klopp performances of the terrible and good uh, side. Stoke didn't particularly press Liverpool in the right places uh, when they did, and they put crosses in, and the back line looked quite nervous. Uh, but you would say that's also partly because of the structure that changed from the Liverpool uh, team, Coutinho going off, Lovren going off, and in the end, uh, Torre with the, the hamstring injury, what it looks like as well. A lot of people to put in those hamstring injuries. Liverpool now, I think, have five hamstring injuries, almost a full wow. team of now. Putting that down to the changed training regime and you know the fact that Klopp's only been around for a couple of months um, do you buy into that? Would you agree that? I mean, just, I mean to some extent, I, I buy into that because you know it wasn't the same kind of injuries before. But you know, Liverpool have had injuries under Brendan Rodgers too. You'd say maybe it's more the intensity of the modern game and how clubs deal with that. I imagine that as time goes on, Klopp. This is maybe why people refer to certain kinds of players as you know better under certain managers because some of them have more longevity or you know maybe. Torres a little old to be playing this system. That I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. I just mean you know. Mm. You need to, but then the centre backs don't press so much, so you know there's a difference there. Do you think Lovren's- it's the, the the combination of maybe Klopp's training, maybe the way they play in the games, and also obviously the Christmas period, which yeah, usually uh, they, they had performances. They had, they had injuries before that as well. Mm. Um, and you know, obviously Jurgen Klopp's spoken a lot in the last few days about Daniel Sturridge and how he won't rush him back, and I think that's fair enough. Um, but with the speak of West Ham moving. Carol on, you know, maybe there's the idea of Liverpool feeling the same about Sorry, He's fantastic when he's back. How? They need someone else. In terms of the players who went off in this match, then, that's Coutinho out? Um, Lovren. Lovren and. Don't, don't, I mean, it could be anything, you know, I, mean, I think Graham Souness said it in his own analysis. It could be anything from 10 days to six weeks or maybe even longer. You, so at least the Arsenal match. is very changeable. At least uh, the Arsenal match coming up. Pro- I mean, probably so. Uh, but. You know, that then Liverpool have to cope with that. I don't think they'll move Lucas Labour back into that. At least you'd hope that they wouldn't. Um, and then obviously there were there were positives, which are Liverpool's attacking line, which was Firmino, who looked brighter at least than the last uh, couple of games where people claim he was anonymous. Um, obviously, Ibe came on for Coutinho and scored the goal. Uh, people wondering whether Joe Allen meant that pass or not. I think he did. Is, is, nah. it, it is uh... no, went for goal, mate. 100% went for goal. Worth, no, because if, if, you, if, you at, if you look at the full replay, he actually turns and points at Ibe and then has this, nah, you know, nah. squint on, through on. Go watch the, go watch <laughs> the replay. No, he, he looks like, his head looks like a chicken. He's, he's looking everywhere. Mm, the shot, it's the point which sort of did it for me, that's all. Um, yeah, Dave, would you... it worked out perfectly, and I corrected his feet and, and took the shot really well. Um, and uh, you know, I think Liverpool still don't have the control in the areas they want, but at least the pressing looked more effective in this game. Uh, Dave, what do you make of the injury crisis then? Because now, if if Kolo Torre is out for for a little while, uh, they have no senior centre backs. Liverpool um, five centre backs out in total, as well as three strikers. 
Well, it's, it's excellent news for Manchester United. They're, in fact, playing Liverpool on the 17th of January. So the more hamstring injuries you lads can get, Lawrence, the better for me. But it's a really, it's an interesting one. It's, it sort of comes back to Brendan Rodgers' training methods and then going to more European style of, of training, like LVG. We've seen a lot of injuries there. Can these players properly take it? Can these players train at a high intensity and then go and play at a really high intensity as well? There's a lot of questions there. I mean, what, what's the difference between, um, you know, a guy who's German and a guy who's English? Well, I think that's where we're going wrong with our English coaching. Then, if we're not working our players hard enough and the training isn't good enough, because well, yeah, but then you say the day, if you Tino's Brazilian, Lovren is, you know, uh, no, no, but it's, it's they're getting that injuries now, right? At Liverpool and the clock. Previously, they weren't as injury prone. You'd say at Leon, at Liverpool, being Lovren under Rogers, and then Coutinho obviously is a little bit injury prone, a little bit in and out. Yeah, I, I agree. Liverpool are halfway there. Uh, yeah. You know, most, uh, apparently there's a stat that no team has come back um, from a first leg defeat in the Carling Cup since uh, 1986 or 84. So wow. it doesn't look great for Stoke at the moment, but obviously they're not fantastic at home right now. Mm. So it's more like a kind of a, I don't know, a 70-30 skew towards Liverpool. Looking good for Liverpool then. Let's move on to Pep Guardiola, Dave. He's confirmed football's worst kept secret that he wants to manage in England next season. Uh, he's obviously been heavily linked with Manchester City, of course. Um, I mean, we, we knew all this already, right? It's just confirming. Yeah, it's confirming where his destination. I think it was the you know it's the thing he's got to do next, right? He's won La Liga, won the Bundesliga, and the next big one is the Premier League, really. You know, afterwards he could potentially go into international football, but it's so interesting. Whoever gets Guardiola is going to dominate the Premier League for the next three seasons. It just happens with Guardiola. Happens with his passion for the game, his organisation, his ability to get the best out of players, and then really have this style of play that just dominates, absolutely dominates. We haven't found the, an- the answer to Guardiola yet, really. Obviously, Barcelona did beat them last year, but then they got a, the, the magic of Lionel Messi in that front three. So it's one of those things where I don't think a system has beaten Guardiola yet. He looks like he's off to Manchester City, Lawrence. I mean, we have discussed this before, but it, it seems to be almost nailed on now. Yeah, um, well, with a... Okay, fair enough. What I'm going to say is, uh, it seems fine. Uh, you know, he seems to be saying England's the place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do you not think that England is different to Spain and Germany so much so that this is probably going to be the biggest challenge of his career. Mm. This I is where, because City are getting him to create the institution that he's already joined. Is that institution? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't. We can't. Didn't no, get far um, into it. What, that's one. Uh, <laughs> that's one. That's one box. Right? That's one. Um, City are paying him to create the culture that he's already joined mm. twice. So, before he sort of had the full backing of well, I say full backing, you know, he's had um, a lot of backing from two quite um, insular clubs that do very well on a number of levels. City are trying to build that. Do you think it's going to be, I, I think this is a new challenge for him if he does go, I think it's a new challenge to whichever Premier League club he goes to, but I think it's definitely a new challenge in England because, I mean, you know, we spoke to Guillaume Balaguer not long ago, he was talking about English coaches, the way they speak, the way that they train the way they see things is different to people on the continent i wonder if there's you know this really does make his biggest challenge because of the culture clash i wonder what dave what do you make of that because a lot yeah, of people say well, i completely agree with lawrence with that just quick point there that i think that with the his previous teams you know Bayern munich um and barcelona they were both sort of pulling away from their league you take in la liga it's real madrid barca but then obviously in the Bundesliga, it's just Bayern. 
So he didn't have that much competition, but we're seeing this season of how many teams could win the Premier League this year. You know, Leicester could win it, um, Spurs could win it, Liverpool, no, not sorry, Liverpool City or Arsenal could probably win the league. And even Manchester United, if they put a run together. So it's so competitive. I don't think he's been in that environment where he's had to be, it's sort of like a, a Champions League tie every week for him when he's playing the big boys in a way, would you say? Yeah, I guess so. But I, I, I sort of feel like hmm. tactically, that's why people say, could they do it on a wet Wednesday in Stoke? Yeah, do you think, yeah, I, I don't so, know. I, I, well, I guess it's uh, what. What do you think Guardiola could be? Sh- do you know what would be the interesting thing is? You know, Sam Allardyce against Pep Guardiola, Tony brilliant. Pulis against Pep Guardiola. You know? These are these are these battles that would be so so interesting because I feel that again we the teams do go try out on press by and, and try and beat them at their own game. They've been they have been beaten heavily. It'd be just so interesting to see Allardyce sit with a back five. Three, cent- three defensive central midfielders and then sit with you know two up front. How are they going to deal with that? There's going to have to be some lot- another tactical sort of evolution of Guardiola's system, you'd say. Yeah, I don't think Pep would go anywhere without knowing that he could do something in that league. You know, I think he'll probably have done pretty intense do you feel, uh, research. Uh, do you feel a little bit sorry for Manuel Pellegrini? Why? I mean, in, in, the, in the sense he's... The way he's been treated system. now and obviously you know, potentially losing his job this summer, it seems... Obviously, when a coach of Guardiola's caliber comes up, you know he's the best manager in the world. Um, it would almost be foolish for the the biggest teams in the world not to take the opportunity. But Manuel Pellegrini is in a pretty awkward position right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I also sort of feel uh, I feel like it, it, yeah, I don't know whether it's disrespectful to him because that he seems like the kind of character that could take it quite well. Um, but that doesn't mean still doesn't mean you treat someone in that way, does it? I don't know whether I don't think Man City are particularly making it kind of public knowledge that they want to move on from Pellegrini but if they are courting um, Guardiola then yeah I, I guess they're doing it in the right way because people don't seem to be able to second guess any side that's spoken to him Have you got any hopes Dave um, that he's going to come to Manchester United or have you sort of accepted that City looks like the the most likely destination? It does Man City does make sense but I go back to Guardiola's books how he talks about it, football institutions two points to Lawrence Oh, um, he, he loves... You're allowed to say it, mate. You can say, it. <laughs> say, whatever, you want. Want. say whatever words you want, mate. Yeah, You can have a wide vocabulary, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I don't Guardiola, have a wide vocabulary. See, if you limit my vo- vocabulary, it'd be very dangerous, Lawrence. <laughs> There'd be swearing and all sorts of come up. Really anyway, go, but Guardiola go, does have going a perception. Back to, that, yeah, back to that point, it'd be excellent if he came to Manchester United. It's what United need at the moment. I feel that there's, it really progressed the side, it progressed the club. They sort of get out the Ferguson hangover a little earlier than I'd expect, but if they don't get Guardiola, they're going to be in that hangover for a while. You know, people saying attacking football and so forth and all that shebang. So I really hope he comes to Man United, but I, just, I think it's City nailed on. You know, how the academy's progressing, how they, how they teach their young lads how to play football. It's one of those things where it makes sense. Does anyone else sort of worry that Pep Guardiola seems so popular because other people... I mean, it, it seems almost a bit weird in Germany because they did have their own ideas about where they wanted to go. And, you know, since 2001, everyone's spoken about their progression. Britain's sort of been left behind a little bit. And I guess so is the rest of La Liga in some ways, although some of them are, you know, have got their own systems and are implementing their own stuff. But do you feel a little bit like this is kind of buying someone else's ideas in in another culture where actually England should be, and, you know, considering it calls itself one of the strongest leagues in, you know, Europe or even the world, should be developing its own tactical ideas. And I think to some extent, Pep Guardiola comes with almost a ready-made culture, ready-made ideas. 
And that's why Bayern wanted him and brought him in because they felt that their institution eh, was big enough <laughs> to um, to take on some of his ideas, but also continue to build in their own way. I think it might move the English game on. I think that's what might happen, that people may adapt to, you know, playing a more zonal, um, you know, playing more zonal in defence. It could just improve the game all round. I think... That was so unpopular just a few years ago in England. Correct, it was. You know, I think it's because it's a lack of understanding. I think that's the thing. It's not saying that uh, English fans are stupid, but, you know, zonal marking on a corner, it worked for Rafa Benitez for how many years when he was at Liverpool? I don't, it actually I don't worked. It did work. Well, I mean, it worked. I'd say yeah, it, worked. it worked. This is the thing. You're saying it, it doesn't work because you because all that we can remember is the analysis from like Alan Shearer or one of the Muppets exactly. on, on one of those shows that sort of like, this is zonal marking. He's not picked him up there. He's, he's not in his zone. For, for zonal marking to work, everyone has to get it. Everyone has to be in the same mindset. And if it comes in that someone played man-to-man his whole career to analyse that system, for me, it's absolute rubbish. So well, I think zonal the problem, work. isn't it, though, is that if you, if you, do, if you play man-to-man, very rarely does someone mention the, the, the phrase man-to-man because generally they go, well, well, it's his fault. He didn't pick his man up. And exactly. no one says, well, that's the system. They say it's the man. Whereas if you go zonal, then people, no one says, well, he didn't mark his zone. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, so, you know, people, it's harder to perceive, I guess. Eh? That's kind of exactly it. That's that's the, a brilliant way to put it, Lawrence. That it feels that oh. when it's man to man, the individual gets criticised. When it's zonal, the whole team, that all the coach gets criticised, right? Yeah, and I think that's why Rafa. I mean, you know, we'll we'll get onto Rafa later. <laughs> I'll come on to that. Um, before we do get into Rafa and all that good stuff, should we talk a little bit about Tottenham? Oh, super Tottenham! I wanted to get a little more of an bit. Arsenal fan myself. <laughs> I wanted to get a little bit of uh, your perception of um, Spurs oh. this season, specifically after the weekend um, playing Everton. It was a one-all draw away. Before that game, it was sort of billed as a real potential statement of Spurs' title challenge. If they won that game, you know, well, Spurs are on for the title. I don't Bear know mind. why. I don't know why people were saying that. Uh, it seems. It, it seems th- like people wanted to create something where where there was none. Perhaps. Although they were, Tottenham definitely were the best um, sort of top team over Christmas. They had the best results, three wins in a row. Yeah, but, but Man City lost their Everton for years. Like they, they were the bogey side for years. A lot of sides struggle against Everton. But is that why then it was seen as this watermark? If you can beat Everton away, then you're, you're, yeah. you're up there. Well, no, but, because Man City have won it in previous years and other, other champions have won it in previous years yeah, with sort of us not beating Everton. There was what you might call a narrative. Lawrence, um, I would never say that. that. I don't know. Exception of a narrative in many yeah, ways. <laughs> um, but uh, despite the draw, after the draw, it was still a lot of press, a lot of articles, a lot of newspapers talking about Spurs' title challenge. This shows they're ready for that title challenge. Do you think, we'll come to you Dave first, that they are realistic title challenges? Because as a Spurs fan myself, I doubt. I kind of also doubt that as well. Pochettino, his Southampton team, they burnt out in March. We've got to remember that, you know, playing this high intensity pressing game with a quite a small squad. Spurs have got quite a small squad. If you lose a key cog in that squad, you know, for example, Vertonghen or Alderweire would go um, out, you know, get injured. That could be absolutely massive. You know, what's the backup there? Fazio. Mm. They're the only um, central defence pairing in the Premier League that have played every minute so far this season, so they're absolutely crucial. You're looking at the likes of Deli Ali, who's in absolutely scintillating form at the moment. Once if he drops out of form again, who's going to come in and take his sort of role? Because I feel that his role is so crucial to this team. He's playing like a old school attacking midfield role, where is is a you know the aim of his position is to get mm. into the box and let other people create around him. So I feel there's some key cogs there that if you lost 
one or two of those players that it could completely change the whole dynamic was, of Spurs. I mean, against Everton, we were missing Moussa Dembele and we did lack a bit of presence in the middle of the park. Tom Carroll was relatively uh, impressive, but you, that's what I think you're alluding to there. You, when you miss yeah. one of those first-team players, it could have a real impact. Um, yeah, the centre-backs at Spurs have not missed one minute. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Um, um, Lawrence, what, what, what do you make of Spurs? And do you think it's more of a of a top four challenge? Because I feel as if we're, we're going to tie now. We are relying upon. I think it is a small squad of players. Could and you we're get someone tire in, in that second half of the season? I don't think we're going to. I think we're going to hopefully get a striker, which will hopefully ease the burden on Harry Kane and means we can play an, another player for once uh, in the Europa League or if we if we go on in the cup competitions. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like we are going to tie towards that second half of the season as we did last season, and that's what's gonna we're going to fall away from any sort of title challenge. Uh, yeah, no, I see what you mean. I I think that also you match up quite well against a number of other sides in the league. Pochettino has done quite well. I know you've had a lot of draws in that time, but I think a lot of other teams have tried to play to the. Yeah, we can't kill off games. Yeah, that, that's part of the problem. I just wonder whether January sign maybe some January signings might be an interesting side. I mean, um, is it is it. I, I would like, I don't know, there's a couple of positions you, you can sort of see only one player at Spurs has got it at the moment, so it's hard to look at someone else getting that. But I'd love to see someone like Teixeira coming in mm. um, from, uh, from Ukraine. Man, yeah, but I'd, well, that'd be a waste of good talent. Um, yeah, done deal, surely, apparently. Really? Well, near us. Near enough. <laughs> um, I see what you're saying. And then what about another, um, there's, you know, there are plenty of strikers out there that could sort of do well for you guys i feel like there's there's a couple you're a couple of additions away from having a, a more depth worthy squad i found it I, I just find it interesting that to use your phrase like this narrative around spurs as title challenges because i'm not sure it's backed up by anything and i think it's interesting this season that there have been these sort of the story changes every fortnight Perhaps with yeah, because because the big all teams. the people are so close at the top of the table. I, I but that's part of the at... problem is that we. So it's a this season title challenger. It's not a permanent season title challenger. In mm. yeah, at least I feel like me. in two weeks' time we could be saying Spurs are not title challengers. You know, it was ridiculous to ever say they were. We've got three. Um, I say relatively easy games going up, but they're games we need to win if we have any hopes of. Uh, sustaining any sort of title challenge. I think in the league next, we have got Leicester at home, we've got Sunderland at home, uh, Palace away, Norwich away, and then Watford at home before we play Manchester City. So that's a sequence of four or five games where we probably, if we got maximum points from that, I'd start thinking, hang about, you know, maybe Hello. maybe we are. But then but how, you, many, how many times a season have, have we said, you know, uh, Arsenal are going to win it, City are going to yeah, win it, any, is, anyone's going to win it, and then they go and have a ridiculous... Well, over Christmas, uh, I, mean, they, I thought they, it was they, funny, I stumbled across an article from The Guardian, it was the end of November, and it was basically predicting what the table would look like um, on Boxing Day. And it was like, you know, Manchester United have to be considered title favourites at the moment, <laughs> they're going to be top on Boxing Day. And it's like, you know, three, four weeks later, it's completely changed the perception. Louis van Gaal was on the verge of being sacked if you believe the reports. And suddenly the perception has changed completely the yeah. other way. Again. And they, they but, get one win and things they didn't have an except They didn't have an exceptional game. You know? <laughs> they just had a better game. They did not. Yeah. Um, but speaking they of, speaking they of improved, Manchester yeah. United, though, they're playing style, Davis. Come on, do a little bit of criticism from uh, Adidas, uh, namely <laughs> the chief executive of Adidas, Herbert Heiner. Herbert uh, Heiner. Herbert Heiner, I should nice say. Nice guy. Much more German sounding. Um, so 
it may or may not have been mistranslated, Dave, but the, the quote that was doing the rounds uh, was that he, he came out yesterday and said, Manchester United are not exactly playing the way that we want to see. <laughs> well, isn't that like a massive conflict of interest there? <laughs> uh, a brand who sponsors the club talking about how the team plays. Quite frankly, those people should stick to what they do best, and that's making money and not talking about football. But, you know, he's got he's got an all right point in his way. You know, <laughs> playing style hasn't been the greatest it's been over the last few, uh, you know, over the last decade, you'd say. It's probably not peaking, but they're getting better. I thought the performance at the weekend was, was a lot better. I thought Louis now did a number of things right in the game, starting with the 3-5-2 against Ed Diamond. I thought that worked you know, brilliantly. Then switching it up in the second half to add a bit more pressure up top of the pitch, moving Schweinsteiger forward and going back to a back four. I think that United just played better. They isolated the fullbacks, which they've not done. I think that's a big problem with United this season is they're not isolating fullbacks. They're so slow in their build-up that every single team gets a 2v1 versus your winger. And then it's just one of those things where you, you've got one man to face up. That's You can do that. But when you've got two men to beat every single time, it's difficult. I think it's, it's going to improve. It's, I feel it's a real turning point for Man United this season, that, that game against Swansea. I feel like the, the lads are starting to play corner. football again and give a about it. Did, uh, damn, give a uh, damn, Dave. Uh, give a you, narrative about it. Do you think uh, <laughs> old, old Herbie Heinier should uh, maybe stick to talking about yeah, shirt sales? Um, or, should, or is he allowed to? Is he entitled to comment on the team's performance when he's paying, or his company's paying, seven hundred fifty million uh, over the course of ten years? Is it personally? Um, but I, I think uh, you're. It, I don't think the quotes were translated correctly. Okay. But if they were, um, you'd still say brands are having to, beginning to have a bigger say in sport. If it was, I don't know, Dunkin' Donuts for Liverpool, you might say. <laughs> Guys, unless Dunkin' Donuts have maybe done some sort of a tactical pair up with Opta or you know with Squawk mm. or something like that, then I'd I'd sort of say, okay, where's your expertise for that? But Adidas sort of you know they're sold on you know the best in the world where our brand and you know the best in the world either create chaos or control games according to their branding. There was that yeah. um, there was that uh, controversy earlier. Well, it was last year now, wasn't it? When um, Dunkin' Donuts sort of. Uh, Swapped out the two flames for the for the, for the <laughs> six. Yeah, for uh, for sort of coffee cups. Um, so that was a, that was a, a brand maybe not going uh, the right way about their you partnership. Have a very direct um, the the full, the even, it, so it just brings up funny questions because if you jump into bed with these people mm. and you you get a lot of money from them, when they start to voice their concerns, don't be surprised. But at the same time, you know the fans have a more important voice. The full quote was, uh, business with Manchester United is going very well. We sell more jerseys than expected. The foreign share is 60%. We are satisfied, even if the actual way of playing of Manchester United is not exactly what we want to see. So that was the full quote, which was, uh, which was interesting. Back off, bro. Um, <laughs> Dave getting protective over yeah. a brand football he doesn't even like. Let's, uh, let's, I love it, Lawrence. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Chelsea. Um, obviously, they won at the weekend. Um, but I thought there was an interesting quote from uh, Thibaut Courtois um, after the game. He's sort of saying, you know, Chelsea are now playing for their future. And the fact that Mourinho was sacked and that they know a new manager is coming in in the summer has actually focused their minds and made them think, hang on a bit. <laughs> we've got to actually uh, got to start playing well here or we could be, we could be out ourselves. Mm. I thought that was an interesting way interesting reaction from the Chelsea players because some people are saying, Mourinho, you know, looking at this result, she'd been sacked earlier. They haven't lost since Gucci didn't came in. So 
I thought that was an interesting way to look at it, that the sacking was a good thing because far from bringing uncertainty, it actually brings a certain knowledge that, okay, hang on, we need to pick up our level. Hold on, are these lads professional? Don't they get paid to play football? So surely they, they, should be playing, they should be playing at their best no matter who's the manager. You'd think no that, you would think that, Dave. Year it is. That's what I think is interesting, that you've seen Chelsea players come out now and say, in not the direct words, but you know, it's a good thing Mourinho's gone because they now... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they weren't trying. I don't know what was going on. Mourinho obviously uh, couldn't turn it around. I mean, what, what do you make of that, Lawrence? Is that the right way for a, a football professional to behave? Uh, I don't know if we need to get into right or wrong about it. I mean, it's about the um, the mentality of those guys. If their mentality, and I think Mourinho did sometimes create quite a reliant mentality on the way that he acted, and so when he began to act badly, then the mentality began to sour. Um, and so to some extent he brought it upon himself because of the culture he created at the club. And I don't know, I, I think, you know, sometimes we interview football players, they're not the be- you know, they're not there to analyse themselves. They're there to play football. Um, and, you know, that's why there are people who analyse the game. And, you know, it's not like uh, players just go in and, and they go and put the DVD in the machine themselves and click on all the different stats and stuff. They have teams <laughs> of people to do it for them. You know, you don't have to play the game to be able to analyse it although it, it, it probably does help to analyse it in a different way. So it, when it comes down to it, Mourinho was the centre point of the club, uh, began to become a sour centre point and had to go. Uh, the, the point that Courtois was making, making, which is also kind of a ridiculous one because you're kind of always playing for your future at any club <laughs> anyway, um, is, is that essentially when a new manager comes in, then that manager will uh, assess the crop of players but you'd imagine that the manager will want to get his own uh, read on the players instead of having someone else come in and go, well, he's a bad one. He's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's because, you know, for instance, when Klopp came in at Liverpool, uh, there were people who were going, well, Lovren, he's shit. Get rid of him. Get rid of, you know, Klopp needs to sell him in general. He's now a centre point of this uh, current Klopp formation because he's played so well. So, you know, it's not as consistent. And I, I, you know, I think what he's talking about is the mentality at the club and maybe alluding to the, the kind of, the men over and maybe it's actually an illusion and, and he's alluding overall to, to the poor mentality at the club which is the short-termism and the very sort of fatalistic way that Chelsea is at a well, start it seems like he's sort of saying it's a, a good thing almost that's what that's what seems strange he was like okay I yeah, thought... but, he's think, but he's analyzing that from within the bubble so he's going within True. our bubble that's good but if you look at it on a macro level then you're going okay well what if you completely change your mentality and you know you look at Arsenal who have had harmony for almost 20 years now from a great manager who's managed, who's barely ever had a player say, well, he's not my kind of manager, you know? But do you think and it's like, it's almost a question of motivation. So a lot of people were saying, Chelsea won the title last season. They were lacking motivation this season. Having got rid of Mourinho now, they can focus on the short term rather than a long term goal. It's short term. We have to play better this season. Mm-hmm. We've got to play for the new manager. Maybe we can win the, I don't know, they're not going to win the Champions League. <laughs> Maybe they can win, uh, you know, they're still in the FA, FA Cup. Cup. Yeah. So it's like, um, like you're saying, there's a mentality thing to focus them on the short term is actually a good thing. Uh, keep up their motivation. Yeah, it's good for them. But you'd say if you want to keep Maybe it, that, you know, that's a very that's not that's not the best way to motivate yourself. Maybe in the long term, you need to find a better way of motivating yourselves. Speaking of Chelsea, let's very quickly go for a few bit of uh, a few bits of transfer news. Um, they are apparently on the verge of signing Alex Teixeira from Shakhtar Donetsk, as you mentioned earlier there, Lawrence. Um, £30 million. He's apparently scored 26 goals in 26 games so far this season. So it would sort of uh, 
it would give them some more firepower, wouldn't it, Dave? Which is what they sorely need. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think he was on 22 and 16 or something. So his scoring rate has slowed down a bit. But he's in- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Attacking midfield, he's got a lot of ability on the ball. It's similar to, you know, seeing clips from it. It reminds me a lot of McTyrian, how McTyrian used to score a lot of goals in Shakhtar, where he used to break from midfield and the sort of the Ukrainian centre-halves couldn't really pick him up and then he'd score the goals. But he's a very talented individual, he can finish. But it's one of those things where where are you going to fit him in again? You've got the likes of Oscar, uh, Willian and Azard. That'd be your, your you know, favoured front three, would you say? Are they going to get, ch- one of those going to get chucked out for Turetska? You know, maybe, maybe not, but it's definitely good depth. To share a sorry, to share a. <laughs> I think um, there, there is talk Turetska. of Oscar, Oscar being there. the kind of player that just runs around the, the pitch. There he is on the left wing. Fuck, <laughs> oh, cross the ball. Shit. Oh, <laughs> there is. Uh, there has been talk that they're, they're looking to sell Oscar to Juventus uh, in order to make room. Um, I'm not sure who they'd have to sell to make room for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, his agent has come out this week uh, and said he would like to see. Um, Ibrahimovic play in England. This is uh, Mina Raiola, of course. Um, I think it's a league that is made for him. His strength, his ability, and his technique. Um, he's 34, 34 years old now, I believe. Um, yeah. That's Ibrahimovic. The wages would be pretty astronomical. Um, so there's it, only a couple of clubs that could probably do it. Let's put it this way: it's not going to be Man City if Pep goes there. No, um, <laughs> I don't think it would Chelsea. That's, where, they, that's where Mourinho comes to United and brings it over Ebro. Mourinho and Ebro, exactly. And though, and but that would be the point where actually I think those guys would just that's that's the the one focus and the terrible thing which actually takes away from Pep's amazing three years hmm. is that in the three years he never wins the league. <laughs> City play the most beautiful football, and in that time it's just Latan and Mourinho, big long balls up to, yeah. to Ebro. Um, um, yes, you're right. His agent's right. I still feel like his agent does a very good job of marketing around and every agree. time uses the Premier League to sort of say, basically what he's saying to people is, this is a big time player. Please bid you need him because otherwise he's going to go to a better brand, you know? Off the MLS or something like that. He's still got it. You know, he's, in 2015, he was directly involved in 38 goals in Liga. Yeah, it's Liga, but yeah. only Suarez, Ronaldo and Messi were directly involved in more goals in their mm. respective leagues. So, you can't, even though it is Liga, you can't question that. That's still a very, very, very good record. 26 goals, 12 assists. You know, he's definitely still got the, the quality, the class. If you can get him fired up, 
you know, for one or two seasons in the Premier League, why would you not take him on? What about Stoke, eh? I mean, you've got... Oh, Stoke Alona. You've got, yeah, exactly. You've got Arnautovic, Barcelona, you've got Afalai. Just stick Ibra up front. It'd be... Uh, it'd be uh... no, but that's where Bojan's causing all sorts right. of chaos at the moment. Right. <laughs> Isn't that I'm also thinking. where Arnautovic is, mate? Who's He's pretty much a rip-off Ibrahimovic. Yeah, <laughs> He's got the, the shitty sort of uh, top knot as well. Um, last few transfers. his face, mate. <laughs> no, because he'd absolutely murder me. Um, last bit of transfer news. Um, Andy Carroll, West Ham are looking to apparently sell Andy Carroll. Speaking of bad hair. Yeah, speaking of which. Um, Newcastle and Sunderland are apparently interested. Uh, 26 years old now. West Ham want 15 million plus. I thought it was interesting because at face value, look at it. He scored two goals in recent weeks, coming on a substitute, thundering headers. Why would they want to sell him? But at the same time, Injuries. Injuries that have been mounting up over the years. He hasn't made a massive contribution at West Ham. So what do you make of this one, Dave? Do you think West Ham are smart to get rid of him almost? And do you think Newcastle was smart enough not to buy him back for that price? Fifteen million is probably a little bit too much for me, you know, given his injuries that we just spoke about then. But he's still a, he's a, he's a threat. And if you build your team around Andy Carroll you'll still do pretty well in the Premier League, no matter who you are. It'd be quite interesting to see him go to Sunderland. Sam Allardyce for the target man is a dream. You can't build any sort of team around Andy Carroll, though, because he's not going to be there half the time. Is he? But then that's well, the thing. I mean, if, if you can get a run with him, right? If you can get the right medical staff to deal with him in maybe a different way, then you could potentially get a run with him. Okay. Well, I don't know. I also think maybe Sunderland would be an unrealistic uh, place for him to... I mean, oh, true, you know, if, you're, yeah, if you grew up supporting yeah. Newcastle... Why the hell? Silly. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd never why do. Yeah, he's, he's linked with Sunderland. But um, anyway, listen. I mean, he 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 could work in a lot of interesting ways, and in a lot of the tactics that go on at the moment. I mean, if you look at the way the, ta- the way that people are going, he could open up a lot of space for all the people yeah. around him. I'd love to see him play under McLaren. A lot I mean, of good. New, yeah, Newcastle do need a striker. It's just that price. I can't see for that price tag. Big man, small man, him and Mitrovic, him and Perez. Be pretty special. Be pretty him, and, him and knocking it down to the edge of the box for Wijnaldum. <laughs> see it already. Um, Gary goals. Let's, uh, yeah, it's just sign up Gary Andy Carroll, Let's move on then to this week's talking point, which is, of course, Rafa Benitez, Real Madrid and Zinedine Zidane. So unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you'll know that Real Madrid sacked Rafael Benitez on Monday evening following a two-all draw with Valencia on Sunday night. The successor is club legend Zinedine Zidane. First off, Lawrence, um, you're a big fan of Rafa Benitez, a big admirer of his work. But Rafa Benitez first, I mean, what did you make of the sacking? Because it seems a little bit harsh. I had a little bit of time to think about it. Uh, I think overall maybe it wasn't the best place for him to go in the first place, at least at this time under Florentino Perez. You know, we were I was eternally hopeful that there was a lot that he could do at the club, and I think that there were shoots of positivity that, as you know, if you're a Rafa fan, then or you know, if you want that kind of football, then you could see those things. Um, you know, the thrashings that they handed out to a couple of teams. Um, the 68% win rate, which is still pretty reasonable, even if it's lower than a number of other top-class managers at, at that side. Um, the beginnings of him finding his feet at Real Madrid. Um, and that, you know, that that was good. But it's the circus and the farcical nature of everything else that goes on around the club. 
that's the problem. And, you know, to some extent, I, you know, I know there are a lot of people that aren't the bigger, biggest Rafa fans out there. And I think for that reason, he does get a bit of a hard time. I feel like his last few um, appointments have been poor decisions on his part as well. You know, I think he's been pretty much reeling since leaving, uh, you know, the mess that was Liverpool at that time because he believed he was doing something that was worthwhile and in the long term. And suddenly it was all taken away. And, you know, I think there was quite a big emotional problem there for him. Um, so, you know, I think he's made some silly career decisions, if I'm completely honest. But I don't well, think that I, I takes was surprised away from he actually went to Real Madrid because, you know, everyone knows. It's a dream. I mean, it's, it's almost a once-in-a-lifetime thing, though, isn't it? But that's why, why would you that, not take it if you're a mid? That's almost thinking of your heart because in your head you know it's going to end this way. Yeah, but well, yeah, but I also think Rafa's, Rafa comes across as somewhat of a macro thinker. So he he sweats the little stuff, but the big stuff mm. he's very good at. Where, Dave? Where do you think it went wrong for Rafa then? Because obviously he had a lot of problems managing the the big personalities in the squad, maybe satisfying Florentino Perez's demands with his own sort of uh, tactical ideas I mean, where, where do you think it went wrong for him I think they he sort of bowed down to Perez in the end it was the Clasico wasn't it that was a big turning point tactically he wants his own ideas Rafa likes functional players you know the signing of Vasquez was really good and Cherishev bringing him back from Villarreal I thought these two players would be crucial to Rafa Benitez in his system but then then what happened with Rafa was that he had too many players he had too many playmaking type players like Ronaldo Hamez uh, and Bale you know there's too many players to play that one creative force in that side and for Rafa it might have been a bit too much a bit too much of an ask for him to maybe redevelop his tactical philosophy I don't think his tactical philosophy is bad it gets results he's, he's a very good defensive manager he works hmm. you know in a, a zonal manner that, that his teams could defend for hours you know at, at Liverpool at his peak I, I could say with like Lawrence as well going to Napoli he had to switch from Napoli had played a back three for the last seven or six or seven years Rafa obviously plays a back four, and that transition from a back three to back four might not, you know, it's adding one player, but it's absolutely huge. You've got to change everything. You've got to, your centre halves have to defend differently, your full backs have to be, um, I know your wing backs, sorry, have to become full backs and have to be more switched on defensively. So that move was silly. And then to Rail, obviously, trying to fit too many um, triangles, rectangles into a mm. circle hole of doing a functional job was a bit wrong for me. And then Casemiro being dropped for the Clasico, that was just stupid. Well, it's, it's interesting the sort of the, issues you face as Real Madrid manager. So you mentioned the Clasico there, Dave. The lineup he played with was suggested to him reportedly by Perez himself. There's a great article by Sidlow on The Guardian. Um, I'll try and post a, a link to it. Uh, in the, in the on our of, blog. On the, on the blog, which you all need to go and read. Um, but he's sort of saying, you know, he suggested that lineup to Benitez. He played that thinking it would bring him safety. It didn't. And afterwards, Perez came out and publicly said, you know, the coach has complete freedom to choose the players he wants, but as long as they're the right ones. Rafa's not good at this, though. Rafa's not good at, at politics, and he's never been good at politics. That's he's exactly what you... At Valencia, that's what Ancelotti said. Yeah, but that doesn't... And, and I guess that's part of the problem, is that people go, well, you know, then he's naive, and, you know... I, I guess that's the thing, is I, I, do you really want to take pot shots at a coach like that? I feel like there's a lot of people who've been waiting for Rafa to trip up. Mm. And, you know, the, 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 the ideas around him and the, the stories which followed him and the reporting of it was almost gleeful. And, you know, um, it, was, it was what... Uh, I, don't, I don't agree. It, I, I, no, I, I, OK, so tell me people that I think there's, you know, not many people... Uh, you know, there are people that, who enjoy the Mourinho side of things, but I think Mourinho, mm. to some extent, plays into the bad guy thing. I don't think Rafa's ever particularly played into the bad guy thing in the press, at least. Some people say he bullied Yossi Ben, ben Ayoun, mm. uh, Liverpool... 
I think that's more that I mean that's difficult to do, but I, I do think to some extent there's truth to that. But I also just think it's down to his poor man management skills. Yeah, well, but that's then the... there are other. That's the point though. Is Rafa is a macro manager, so he expects mm. players to buy into the bigger picture. He expects. Be, that's why Gerard stayed. That's why Carragher and Gerard didn't think right. We can force this guy out because what they saw was they saw the bigger picture at Liverpool. Was that if Liverpool got rid of Rafa, then they couldn't get anyone better. Not only that, but if Liverpool kept Rafa, then they could get themselves way closer to the league title. Rafa then gets embroiled in a series of silly little political battles with Rick Parry, then with Gillette and Hicks, and basically works himself politically out of the club. And then what are you left with? Is you're basically left with his coaching. And uh, it, it's that point we say, well, great, Rafa would actually make a great number two to someone at Real Madrid. <laughs> instead of a, a figurehead. I think it's, I, I don't know if I overhear that the coverage has been gleeful of Rafa Benitez losing his job. I think a lot of it has focused in the right place and that is on Perez. The, the job that Perez has created as Real Madrid manager is impossible to do because you need to massage the egos of these huge players. You also need to satisfy Perez's demands. You also need to win almost every single game. You need to win at least one trophy, if not maybe two every season. And as Dave says, a team full of attackers. But it, it just yeah, but you, yeah, but you, you, they've created that culture where they don't give themselves a long term um, a long term plan. And exactly. Uh, that's why said so. If Rafa is gone, this is pre Rafa being gone. Mm. He said, if confirmed, he will have enough knives planted in his back to open a cutlery shop. Not Real Madrid's <laughs> finest hour. And he's right in that. I, 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 agree. I don't know how many hours Real Madrid have had recently that are fine. They've That's... not had, as an institution, and as someone, I know they're building a global brand and all those kind of things, they're essentially treating the people they employ mm. terribly. Isn't oh. that damaging you know, their global it, brand, right? It, well, I mean, no, it doesn't, though, because people don't seem to get, the point is that there are always casualties at Real Madrid, and pe but instead of people going, wait a minute, that's the system, and the club people go, well, they weren't good enough. So essentially, they're the good-looking girl who can treat anyone like shit, because there are a number of idiots out there who go, well, I'm, I'm good enough. But see, and if you're not good enough, then that's your own fault, mate. Why won't really, why you work on your flaws? It's really interesting reading Sidlow's article because he sort of says, you know, the first thing Benitez did when he got there to Real Madrid was he went to talk to Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is obviously a favourite of Florentino Perez. He was the man who wanted to bring Bale to Real Madrid. He went to talk to Bale about his new role as a number 10. You know, we're going to make you the centerpiece of the team because he, you know, Perez sees uh -oh. Bale as the future of the team. Of course, Ronaldo, uh -oh. Ronaldo wouldn't like that. You know, Benitez, of course, refused to say yes when asked if Ronaldo was the best player in the world. It became a big deal when it really shouldn't have been. But he sort of said, you know, I can't say whether Ronaldo's the best in the world. Lethal Re reporting. But I don't think that's English press. It's probably uh, the likes of uh, Marca uh, over in Madrid. Maybe. Or, uh, got a different tone but it's interesting that you know he tries to make Bale the centerpiece as Perez wants Ronaldo doesn't like that all of a sudden in training the reports are coming out that they're calling Rafa you know the number 10 uh, seeing as he never played professional football they're sort of mocking his uh, his uh, professional career all of a sudden you know Ronaldo's not on side Sergio Ramos isn't on side after one criticism of his performance losing influential key players like that has obviously contributed to his downfall. I think that was kind of one of the things that he should have come in. If, it, if, if he wanted to build his team around Gareth Bale, he had to sell Ronaldo in the summer. Simple as that. doesn't matter how big Ronaldo is or whatever. But then he couldn't have done that, right? Because Perez exactly. wouldn't have let that happen. That's I think that's the issue. The... That there's, there's no real answer to this story, in a way. I think Zidane could be a good manager, but then 
is that is well, that is that, that the solution to the problem? That does bring us on to Zidane because I think you were saying there, Lawrence, that almost uh, at the start of the talking about you were sort of saying it's almost like Benitez was the wrong coach uh, at the wrong time for Real Madrid with this set of players. You know, he wasn't. He was, he the, wasn't he the, was man. the right coach at the wrong time. Exactly. Yeah, he's not the man to manage this particular team. Do you think Zinedine Zidane is because? I've seen a lot of talk about his personality. Of course, he demands respect because he's a huge club icon. But in terms of his actual personality and man management, someone who's obviously very insular, someone who on the pitch we've seen uh, is perhaps not the most patient of men, although he may have mellowed since his, since his playing days. Yeah. Do you think he's actually going to be able to bring anything different? Obviously, we haven't even seen him coaching professionally um, at the top, top level. But... What are your thoughts? What are your hopes? And what do you think Zidane's potential could be? Well, I mean, the hope doesn't always line up with the reality. But I think that what people are hoping is that, you know, Ancelotti essentially gave a lot of the players freedom out there um, to express themselves. You know, it wasn't some free-flowing football, but it was certainly, you know, the the Benitez um, regimented style in certain areas was very different. Although certain players thrived in that. People like Marcelo were fantastic because they were so key to Rafa's philosophy. But then other people didn't like that. Um, and so what we will see is a number of players maybe playing up to the level of Zidane. You know, the kind of... I'd be interested to see what formation he plays. I don't know what he's been doing in um, Castilla um, and whether he's going to change things drastically and try and go back towards a more free-flowing style of football. I, what I want is that, you know, what my hope is, is that we'll hold him to the same values we held Rafa Benitez. Because if he doesn't make an instant impact... Give him five months and then sack him. If he doesn't make an impact in the same way as Benitez didn't make an impact, only give him five months. Interesting. What, because why? You know, I, I, I genuinely, I mean, genuinely, I think it's disrespectful of a coach that's fantastic in Europe. And people say, you know, you know, Benitez didn't win the title at Liverpool, or he didn't do this, or he didn't do that. There's a number of things that he's done at, at certain clubs, and that you know, he's, he's influenced a lot of careers. Um, and I think Zidane's that's, fairly early on here. Well, that's the interesting thing. Do you think, what do you make about this, Dave? Because as Lawrence says there, Rafa Benitez is a coach of, he's a coach of huge experience. And he has won the European Cup. He has won league titles. Same with Ancelotti before. Same with Mourinho before. Zidane never managed a professional game. Do, is there much hope for him? I don't know, he's just got to go in there with his balls out, hasn't he, really? He's got to do Literally, what Louis Van Alders has got to go in with his balls out and be like, lads, I'm better than the lot of you put together. So you He's the kind of guy that when you look at him, you imagine him with his balls out. You know what I mean? Like you sort of <laughs> see, when you look at Zidane, you actually see his balls. Do you think that that is the way to go there, Dave? So I think there's, there's two contrasting styles of Mourinho and Ancelotti. So both of them, good communicators, both demand respect in certain ways. Mourinho is very much my way or the highway. Yeah. Ancelotti obviously is a much more diplomatic person. He's, you know, arm around the shoulder, much friendlier sort of manager. They both worked in their own ways. But do you think Zidane is going to be able to establish a similar atmosphere to Mourinho? I think it'll be a similar atmosphere to Ancelotti. I feel that Ancelotti learned... Um, so less confrontational, more... You know, yeah, more laid back. I think that his teams will... Just got a feeling they'll sit up the same as Ancelotti, how Ancelotti defended in a 4-4-2, attacked in a 4-3-3. Um, Zidane said how he wants to, his team to play up from the back. You know, quotes from Beckham saying he's a ruthless... Uh, person and, and he's a perfectionist that's two very good qualities for a manager you know working with young players could be a very positive thing work for the, you know worked was Castilla coach for the last two seasons for, he started off pretty badly but then sort of 
pulled it round and then he left them in the second position in the Secunda B. You could argue that some players could come through, you know, like the likes of Odegaard or Marcus Lorente or even his son Enzo Zidane could come through that academy. So it's one of those things where I feel that he, as the Castilla manager, should have identified some talent to bring through to this Real Madrid team to freshen it up and to, to get some of these stars to think, okay, you know, this young player could get in the team ahead of me, you know, get a bit of fear back into the likes of Ronaldo, Bale, and Mez. They all, I feel like they're all just chilling, relaxing most of the time. Oh, yeah, we'll <laughs> get in the team and yeah. some goals in. What do you make well, of this? they aren't fear into them again. They're not working very hard. I mean, there's that, there's that Shankly clip, think... 25 years. Um, yeah, it's 25 years since Bill Shankly died this year. And there's that Shankly clip going around that, you know, if, if I was scrubbing the floor, I wanted my part of the floor to be mm. uh, cleaner than yours. You think there was nothing near that? At Real Madrid and I, I don't know if it's about the element of competition I think it's more about the the whole point of uh, the Galacticos is that mm. you've got experience and youth in the same side and that those two should make a perfect cocktail of the two and the older guys you know the the the, the Luis Figos the, the the Beckhams in the end all those kind of guys show the younger guys how to do it I, th- I think what we have with those players is David Beckham the only reason why he's a player is because he worked on his technique seamlessly after training, after kept on going, kept on practicing. Same, same, same with Vigo, you'd say the same thing. Not, but yeah, Ronaldo, you'd say the same thing. But then potentially the likes of James and Bale, have they just sort of fallen into, into having this Bale ability? I, I mean, look at Bale not. since he went no, no, to it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel that they just feel like they deserve to be there. They deserve to be there. And I feel that if you wanted to get the Galacticos model correct, mm. you've got to have that respect. For the young players coming through, as well as them being, you know, young like Pavon, who got, he was absolute rubbish, but, uh, you know, he was there at that time. Wasn't the worst player in the world, but he sort of just, you know, he gave it a certain feel, didn't you? You know, gave it a certain feel of being a Real Madrid side, not just a team full of superstars in a way, which is what it is now. It's just a team full of lads. It's not really, a t- it's not a team at all. It's got yeah, no, it's, like, it's, heart of Real Madrid. Well, I think you said before, Dave, it's almost like, they've taken the heartbeat, especially, you know, from, from mid- midfield forward, they've taken the heart centerpiece of many different teams and sort of tried to fit them all together what is the heart of Real Madrid sorry I I don't actually know what we're talking about right now because the heart of Real Madrid is what no I mean for example Gareth Bale was the centerpiece of Tottenham's team they've taken him and tried to they didn't make him the centerpiece of the Real Madrid team they tried to fit him in with the centerpiece of other teams if you know what I mean James Rodriguez Colombian star player should we make a wider point here that the apple of Perez falls very far from the, uh, or maybe it doesn't. I mean, but the, the royal tree, if you like. I mean, it is Royal Madrid. Um, the, po- the point would be that they won, a lot of, uh, they won a lot of European Cups before the Galactico era. I think the Galactico era has misled Real Madrid into a lot of fallacies that make the club think 100%. they are bigger than they are, yeah. more invincible than they are, and what, more special than they are. F- and the point is, they're now a great brand, so other people can exactly. sort of feed off that, Adidas can feed off that, and other people can feed off that. But don't, don't get it twisted here. This club is fucked to the core because <laughs> the person at the top is literally, you know, like, let's not miss, uh, and like, he's a, he's a brilliant, he's a sycophant and all these kind of things. Mm. He loves feeding into the right, so he's a bit of a sociopath. He's really good at twisting things. Don't mistake Real Madrid for the same institution that Barcelona are or the respectability that someone like Arsene Wenger has. Bar- Barcelona, have the their own, Barcelona have their own problems, definitely. But Re- Real Madrid, the problem is Florentino Perez. Nothing will change until he 
steps aside. I don't think you ever will step aside, to be honest. There's no respectability to getting a big loan and spending it. Well, I think that's the problem <laughs> is that he, he certainly has... Capitalism, sort of ta- that, Lawrence. He's, Florentino yeah. Perez has taken them to the next level in terms of, of business. They are like a financial superpower now. They're huge. The biggest, richest club in the world. But as you say, he doesn't right. have that sporting... He doesn't have that sporting intelligence. There's not football people making football decisions at that club. What they really need the is problem. they need the a sporting director. The one person they have that's a football person at that club. Yeah. They sacked the other day. But they need, for example, Real Madrid, they need a, a football director, a sporting director, someone who's in charge of transfers. At the moment, it is Perez who's just pick, cherry-picking these players. It doesn't make a team. It doesn't make a coherent strategy for how to, you know, to win titles. I mean, what have they won in the last, is it 10 years? Have they won one league title? The one Champions League, league. Um, and that's not obviously they're up against two Barcelona. Two titles, one with Ancelotti and one with uh, no, one with Ancelotti. Mourinho and one with uh, who? Who else won the title there? Capello. Capello. Yeah, Capello, but that's over ten years ago now, isn't it? Bloody hell! That's uh, what I mean. Right. They've won one league. Getting a bit old, are you? Now yeah. I feel old. <laughs> so, uh, but, the, but the point is, the, the last time a, they won the, the Liga fun. was 2011-12, and um, before that it was 2007-8. So almost ten years ago. But the, my point is that obviously they have come on, up against one of the greatest teams of all time, Barcelona. But the, for the amount of money they've spent for even the, the status of Real Madrid, they, they haven't achieved Atletico what they should have. It in that time. Exactly. They haven't achieved what they should have achieved. And you have to look at Perez is the problem at the club, without a doubt. And that's why I feel there's a lot of optimism now about Zidane. And he, maybe he will get more time because of his status as a club icon. But it's going to end the same way. He will be sacked by Real Madrid. Whether it's the end of this season, next season, as long as Florentino Perez is there, it's not going to end well. What I thought was unusual was in the press conference, Perez was almost very matter-of-fact about letting Benitez go. So so I want to thank him. He's a great man. He's done a really good job while he's been here. It was sort of like, I don't know, it was almost normality for him that this was happening. It was a bit unusual to watch because it seemed so sort of... My favourite quote was the the one where they sacked Carlo Angelotti and someone said, why have you just, you you just sacked the coach who won us the decima? And he said, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> like when, if you're running your club thinker, like that, deep thinker. when you're running your club like that, you're, you're in big trouble. But um, yeah. to, to sort of cap it off then, do you think Zidane is going to be a success, Lawrence? Or like me, do you think he's going to be sacked within the next 12 months? Mm. It's a big question. And obviously, he hasn't even managed a game yet. He's but not fielded a team. Inevitable. He's not fielded a side yet. But he's... I just, I just feel like with the, the coaches of the vast experience of Rafael Benitez, back in. The, the, the coaches of the experience of Ancelotti couldn't handle it, Benitez, Mourinho couldn't satisfy all the different assets and factors you need to. What hope does Zidane have? He has the hope that he's a, he's a club, he, like you say, he's a club legend. Um, and not only that, but uh, it, it seems that they want something slightly different. And Zidane... Doesn't embody that, but he is a huge. He, uh, you know, he embodies Galactico, essentially, doesn't he? <laughs> he is the embodiment of. Um, uh, you know, and that's what I think Mar- they thought Mourinho was a few years ago. So everyone's come in and they've had sort of they rotate around the idea of the Galactico, and Zidane is now the Galactico. You know, Mourinho was the outsider who sort of got what a Galactico was because he mm. made his own Galactico esque brand. Ancelotti was like the. The guy was too, almost too cool for Galactico and they were a bit like, okay, well, you tell us then what we need to do, but you know, you're not a Galactico, but we are, but we'll take your advice because you know shit. And then Benitez, it was sort of like, well, you know, people were almost like, well, you're a bit of a loser and, you know, you don't really fit into this 
at all. You don't fit here. So Zidane's now at the very center of it. You know, he's like, he's like that, you know, the brother, if you like. He's the one that sort of is, is the, he's the physical, he's the personification of what. Like the prodigal son, isn't he? In a way, yeah. He's the, he's the personification of has what. It ever, has it ever worked out? The prodigal son had to go away first. Has a club icon coming back ever worked out well? We had, most recently we had Felipe Inzaghi, didn't we? We had Clarence Sadoff not really working out, AC Milan. Diego Simeone obviously won the league title Atletico. That was uh, that worked out pretty well, I'll admit. Yeah, I think it's a different type, though, isn't it? They're, they're you know Simeone and Guardiola. They're both you know uh, sorry Simeone's was a very aggressive defensive midfielder who thought about the game when he played. Probably that's where he got how he got so far in his career was being tactical. Guardiola, ball playing central midfielder who had to evolve um, when you know Louis Van Gaal came in. Zidane, did he ever have to evolve as a player? Did he have to change his game up tactically? Probably not because he just was so silky, so wonderful at football. Did he have to ever evolve? Hmm. Well, I think though, I think he still has quite a deep understanding of the game. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. That silky, uh, you know. I think we, you know, he's branded as this person. It sort of happens to. But I do think he's quite contemplative, and um, you know, he, he he clearly understands a bit. More. You know, a lot of people in the industry, you know, behind closed doors and very openly back him. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. I imagine he'd be a brilliant attacking coach. You know, picking up space and those types of things. I just worry about is. The defensive side of his game. I, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to see how he gets on. Obviously, um, Real Madrid are four points off the top, I think, in the league at the moment. Um, and obviously, they've got that big uh, Champions League tie coming up, Roma. So it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, anyone else seen that clip of him just crushing um, Luis Enrique's face? Yeah. yeah. That's the, the El Clasico is going to be good, the next one. Um, <laughs> It's going to be good. Um, great, mate. Lawrence, unfortunately, you failed the challenge uh, to go oh. a complete podcast without saying perception, history, reductionist, uh, <sighs> or institution, or narrative. Um, yeah. Institution. Like your tyranny got... wins, Adam. Your tyranny. It's not my tyranny. It's the tyranny of at Guna language on Twitter. Um, maybe next time. Give us another challenge. <laughs> maybe words <laughs> that uh, Dave is not allowed to say. I like the sound of that. Statistic. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> pizza. Pizza, oh, for example. Take-ons. Take-ons is definitely um, one we need Oh, to that's one of my favourite ones. To be, I think, Lawrence, it, it was an honourable effort. Because we were talking about Real Madrid. Uh, you, I think you managed... Exactly. <laughs> it's difficult. Pretty to, much took all my language away, Adam. Uh, you didn't say perception or narrative or history, I think. So you, I think you did pretty well. Yeah, good point, yeah. If anything, it was a it was a triumph. Listen, that is it for, for today's podcast. We're going to be back on Saturday with the Q&A podcast, as always. But until then, if the people, if the whole, want to find more of your words, more of your thoughts, Dave, where can they go? That's go into Google, mm-hmm. type in the mm-hmm. front mm-hmm. number three mm-hmm. dot com and press wow. enter. That's where your no, thoughts I, and, and... That's where my thoughts live. Wow. It's oh really God. weird. It's like the, it's like the main... The data center of my okay. brain. Uh, and mm. Lawrence, are you going to say the same thing? Go up to the top, the top bar. Don't mm. go to Google. Right. Go to Bing. <laughs> and just open up Chrome. Thefront3.com. Yeah. We don't, want to, we don't want to endorse one web browser. Open yeah. Firefox. Firefox. Go up there. The Front3. Number three, not the word. Um, definitely check it out. Um, tell us what you want to see there, maybe. You know, do you want to see some like little articles or something? Do you want to see little bits and bobs? I don't know. Oh, oh my God, I love bobs on websites. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love a good bob, especially Bob Lewandowski. Anyway, that wraps up uh, this week's The Front Three. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you on Saturday. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.